a goofy detective specializing in animals, goes in search of the missing mascot of the Miami Dolphins. This is Ryan. And this is Ashley. And this is Ruining Ruining Our Childhood, a weekly podcast where we remove our childhood goggles and put on our adult bifocals to rewatch and review our favorite movies from the past. Hi. Welcome. I feel like we haven't recorded one of these in a while. It's been like two weeks. Been a couple weeks, yeah. Yeah, had some in the... Couple in the can. Couple in the can. Is that what you would call? Yeah, we, we recorded them. They were in the can. Still put out new episodes every week. It's what we do. Like we always do. Like we always do. Anyway, this is Ryan and Ashley. We are a couple who likes to watch movies. Mm-hmm. And also, we have a new podcast called Are, are We Still Afraid of the Dark? <laughs> yeah. We have to, it's a question. It's a question. So you have to inflect. Yeah. So you should check that out if you haven't yet, because there's a couple episodes. Who doesn't like a Saturday podcast? Yes. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. It seems like most snick. podcasts release on a Tuesday, though, I noticed. Oh. Because when our episode comes out, it's like all the podcasts I listen to, they're like, new episode. Yeah, like, look at this. Yeah. Yeah. But. We are doing the 1994. Classic. Ace Ventura Pet Detective. To celebrate somebody's birthday. That would be me. That is you. Yes. You are a, you're an old man. Yeah. Getting up there. Lots of gray hair. 35. Correct. How do you feel? Just like I did at 34. Oh. I guess. Yeah. I feel great. I think the only time I felt super old was when I turned 30. But then now thinking back, that was a couple years ago. Mm -hmm. Like I was really being overdramatic about it all. Oh, yes, you were. So I can't wait for 40. Oh, it's going to be fun. (laughs) At least I hit it first. Yeah. So, yeah. But this movie, uh, reason we picked it... Yes. ...is this was my favorite movie from 10 years old to, like, 15, I would say. Yeah. That? We're gonna... I'm a little worried, not gonna lie. When was the last time you watched this movie? I don't know that I've ever watched it with you, so I would say a good... 14 years. Damn. It's been a long time. Can't be that favorite of a movie. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) It's one of those ones that I watched a lot as a kid, Mm -hmm. like over and over again. So I remember a lot of parts that I know won't age well. So I mean, we'll discuss that in a minute if you want to talk about the 1994 facts. Yes. So we could stay a little close to our format, I guess. We're going to go ahead and take that trip down memory road. Yes. The movie was released on February 4th of 1994. It had a budget of $15 million and grossed $107.2 million. It was obviously basically Jim Carrey's first starring role that turned him into the icon that he was. Popular TV shows from 1994 were Seinfeld, ER, and Home Improvement. I was a little surprised to see the number four show was Grace Under Fire. Oh, wow. I remember yeah, that show. I remember that show, too, but I, wow, pretty big hit, apparently. Uh, number one songs, the number one song for the week the movie came out was Brian Adams, Rod Stewart, and Sting, All for Love. And then uh, other popular songs was Celine Dion, The Power of Love, which 
I whenever I hear that, I think of Huey Lewis. So it's the power of love. That's the correct one. Yeah. And then also Ace of Base. Yes. The sign. That is, to me, when I hear Ace of Base, even just the name, mm-hmm. I think of '90s and sunflowers. I don't know why. Yeah. Sunflowers kind of a big deal in the '90s. Dresses. Yeah. Prince. Yeah. Very true. Popular movies. Forrest Gump was the number one movie for the year. The number two movie was Lion King. And number three was True Lies. But other big movies were uh, the number six movie of the year was another Jim Carrey movie, Dumb and Dumber. And he also had the number nine movie, The Mask. Damn. So that dude had a year. He was on fire. Yeah. And I, I always knew those movies came out in 1994, but I always thought Ace Ventura came out in 1993. Oh, really? Yeah. But I think what it is, is the sequel came out the next year. Yeah. It came out in 95. Like, it came out on my birthday, ironically. Oh. Yeah. Cute. Yeah. Which we wouldn't saw it on my birthday. You would. Yeah. So what is your earliest memories? I don't know when I watched this. I'm pretty sure. I know I didn't see it in theaters, of course. Mm-hmm. But, and I'm pretty sure we watched it, like, right after it came out on video. Mm-hmm. I do remember thinking it was hilarious. My brother loved it and would quote it a lot. Yeah, very quotable movie. Yeah, and we would re-watch it if it was on TV. Like, we'd always watch it. Mm-hmm. So, I, it's like I vividly remember some parts. And then there's parts that I'll, I'll probably, when we're watching it today, be like, oh, yeah, I remember that part, you know? For me, I saw it in theaters. Uh-huh. And I do, one thing that I do remember about when I saw it in theaters was the trailers they showed before the movie were for Dumb and Dumber and The Mask. And you're like, holy crap, this guy's everywhere. I I didn't really put two and two together that that's the guy from this movie and he's now going to be, when the movie ended, Yeah. I was like, oh, he's got some other movies coming out that look pretty good. I'll have to go see those. But we only saw like the one time in theater, obviously, and then it was on HBO and my aunt was very nice and recorded it off of HBO for me. Nice. So I had a VHS copy, which was my only copy of that movie till I was an adult and I bought it on DVD. <laughs> but I would watch it. It was you know, HBO and... At least no commercials and yeah, no editing. So. Exactly. And it was, it was awesome. I watched it all the time. And Sue came through in the clutch. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Do you think it's going to hold up? It's been... 25 years. It's hard to say because in my head, I know there's going to be stuff that is going to be cringy. Yeah. We saw yesterday, we watched the movie Ted. Yeah. With my family. And that movie came out seven years ago. And there was a lot of stuff that didn't hold up. There was. But also, I chalk it up to it's Seth MacFarlane. And he is still one of those people that does not give a fuck. That's like, very true. There, But there was a lot of gay jokes but it wasn't like the same kind of gay jokes from 20 years ago no but it was still making fun of people that are gay yeah i think having that fresh in my mind makes me say it's not gonna hold up if a movie from seven years ago doesn't hold up then a movie from 25 years ago because i know there's stuff in this movie yeah like off the top of my head there's transgender stuff in this movie oh yeah so that makes me go, ooh, it's going to be cringy. I still think I'm going to laugh my butt off. I hope I turn into 9-year-old Ryan or 10-year-old Ryan and still laugh his butt off and enjoy the movie. But I think there's parts where I'm going to be like, oh, okay, it doesn't hold up too well. Yeah, I agree. I think there's going to be 
the most notable parts that I can remember where it's just, I get why it was funny back then, but now thinking it through the 2019 lens, I'm like, okay, yeah, we get it. Calm down. Mm-hmm. It's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But I just still think there will be a lot of jokes that don't center around like poking fun at a certain person mm-hmm. that will just still be relative and funny. Yeah. Um, I'm at least hoping because I do count this as one of the funniest movies I saw when I was a kid. So I'm hoping that isn't completely shattered today. Like without a doubt, I put this up on a pedestal for for years. Mm. Maybe that's why you avoided watching it too. Because maybe in the back of your mind, you knew some things weren't going to hold up to how you feel today as an adult. The older I got, I think that's very true. Yeah. I was like, hey, maybe we'll just keep it as the memory that you have as, uh, you know, at least the last time I watched it, was, I was probably 20 years old. Keep it in that memory and not as a, you know, adult who does understand that a lot of that stuff is incredibly insensitive. And you don't ignore it. You Yeah. You accept it and be like, yes, there was times where we could have done a lot better. Yes. But anyway, so we both don't think it's going to hold up. Oh. Um, yeah. Sorry, there's like something in my throat. Oh. I'm dying, I think. That's I correct. Think I might be dying. That is correct. We're both... Every second, we're closer to death. That's dark. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they stole that from Twilight, which we watched the other day. That's what it was? Uh, I'm pretty sure Bella says that as uh, like a way to get Edward to turn her. Well, She's she like, would, I'm dying already. She would say it like this. Every second, we are closer to death. <laughs> Dramatic pause. Put it all together. <laughs> And just so you guys know, we did watch Twilight and New Moon with the riff tracks, which is, if you guys don't know what riff tracks are, it's just an added commentary by the guys from Mystery Science Theater Mm -hmm. 3000. And it just makes really bad movies better. Yes. It makes the Twilight series one of my favorite things to watch purely because of the riff track. And it's, it really has a lot to do with the fact that there's so many dramatic pauses. Yeah. That they can just go off for like a couple minutes. And they're incredibly unnecessary. All of their dramatic pauses are not necessary. That's true. (laughs) It's some of the worst acting you'll ever see outside of like Anna Kendrick. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were saying like outside of Anna Kendrick, like she's a bad actress. No, no. Oh, She's the only redeeming thing in those movies. There's a reason you haven't seen Taylor Lautner in a film in a long time. Oh, poor Taylor Lautner. Paper bag? Go ahead Ah. and act your way out of that. Can't do it. Not to get off tangent again, but that was another thing in Ted that was kind of a dated reference. They yeah. about Taylor Lautner. Like, he became Taylor Lautner. Yeah. Guy's not relevant. He's still alive. Yeah. I didn't say he died. <laughs> okay. His career's not alive. Awkward. Oh. For anybody who's a Taylor Lautner fan, I do apologize for Ryan. He's a very good looking man. He's just not a very good actor. Having rewatched Twilight, other than his torso, he has such a baby face that I feel weird about being like, yeah, you have a nice, you have nice abs. Like, I feel like... I feel kind of like you're subjectifying a child. Yes. <laughs> Which technically they are supposed to be. Yeah. I don't know. A anyway. werewolf child. We should have done Twilight for an episode because it does fit within our requirements for movies. Yeah. But at the same time, we do watch it so frequently. With the riff tracks that it wouldn't be a surprise to me saying it wouldn't hold up or, you know, Mm -hmm. 
It, it doesn't hold up that well. Maybe we'll do it for like our, you know, like our one year anniversary. We'll watch it and rip it to shreds. Okay. Honestly, I think out of all of the movies, mm-hmm. all of the Twilight movies, I think the first one holds up the most because it's just, it's very small. Correct. You know, it's, yeah. it's very, it's focusing on just one part of this world. Whereas like when they start to expand, I think that's when it starts to get really cheesy. Agreed. But anyway... Where back to Ace Ventura? Yeah, where can Ace Ventura be found? Nowhere really. Oh, so I mean, except for renting. I don't. <laughs> it's not listed on Netflix or anything like that. So you could definitely rent it from Vudu, Amazon, YouTube. Uh, Vudu and Amazon do have it for two ninety nine. Just so you know. You so. can't rent it off of, or not even rent it. Just stream it off of HBO Go, a la Ansu in nineteen ninety five. No. Damn it. Well, that's stupid. It is stupid. So if you want to watch it and you don't own it, then you're going to have to pay. Sorry. And you know what? It'll probably be worth it, folks. It's still going to be funny. Will it? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Anyway, so we'll go ahead and hit the... Pause pause. Go watch Ace Ventura Pet Detective and be back to tell you all about it. Okay, and we're back. We just finished watching Ace Ventura Pet Detective, and we're going to break down our movie with our categories. Like we always do. Yeah, and first category is Well Hello There, where we talk about any cameos of famous or recognizable actors, or in this case, uh, athletes, that we forgot were in the movie. And who did you notice? The first person I put down was the actor Noble Willingham. Mm-hmm. Who played Riddle, which I think was the owner, technically. He was just in one scene of the movie, but I remember him from City Slickers. Oh. And he was in quite a few episodes of Walker, Texas Ranger, which is one of those shows that my dad watched. I was going to say. A lot of, so. Yes, yes, yes. He yeah. loved his. And you know, it's funny, it's the only other show that I can think of like that he really liked, but it goes in line with that. Justified. Yes. Superstar actor, Timothy Oliphant. It was like a manly show. My dad loved it. Yeah. Nash I, Bridges. That's another one. 24. Yeah. He liked his action shows. <laughs> yeah. He still probably does. I noticed Tone Loke. He played yes. one of the detectives. Uh, he, they just called him Emilio, so I think they just went by his first name, but he was uh, worked for the police department. And, and he obviously he... was a great rapper from our childhood. In the 80s. Yeah. 90s. Mm-hmm. And then he was in Blank Check. Yes. Yeah. He played one of the bad guys. Yeah. He was in two of my favorite movies growing up. Right? I loved Blank Check. It was a great movie. Yeah. I did put Sean Young because I think I always forget who plays the lieutenant. Mm-hmm. I remember the part. Obviously, it's kind of hard to forget, but I forgot that it was her yeah. that played. And she's from Blade Runner. I yeah. think most notably. I would say that's probably what Sean Young's most notable. For. Yeah. There was some Miami Dolphins that were in the movie. I'll just hit on like the two most notable ones, which Dan Marino actually plays kind of a little bit bigger part in the movie. He gets kidnapped. Yeah. And then uh, the only other one I noted was his coach, which was Don Shula. He's probably one of the more famous football coaches of all time. And he, when Ace is looking for the ring, he's the one who tries to drop some mail oh. in the mailbox and Ace is in the mailbox trying to like look at it. <laughs> I figure that most of those people in that montage where he's looking at, trying to figure out if any of them are missing diamonds on their mm-hmm. ring 
were a- the actual athletes, but honestly, I couldn't pick them out other than Dan Marino. So. Yeah, that I was going to say, I don't doubt because like, we just watched a little bit of the credits and there was probably 10 Miami Dolphins listed, but the only ones I think the average person's going to know are going to be Marino and Shula. Mm-hmm. Unless the, you're from Miami. Yeah, if, I was going to say, if you're Dolphins a fan. huge Dolphin fan, you're going to be like, oh no, that was offense alignment Joe Schmo. Joe Schmo. Yeah. The other person I put was Troy Evans, and he played Roger, which was the director. I thought maybe he was the coach, but then when he dies, spoiler alert, yeah, they say he's the director of the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, so I would assume it's like more of like a general manager type yeah. role. And he's been in a lot of movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in Veep most recently. He played the Montana congressman. Oh. So... Nice. Shout out to Montana. I don't and know And then why. he was I in ER. That, I thought that guy had passed away, so that's cool. No, that he's still alive. I think uh, I saw that Noble Willingham died in 2004. Oh. But Troy Evans is still alive. Nice. As far as I saw. Someone else, it's not so much a cameo because she was the female lead, but yeah. we should mention her, is Courtney Cox played yeah. Melissa Robinson. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you don't know who Courtney Cox is, you probably shouldn't be listening to our podcast. I mean, if you are a person that grew up in the 90s, you should at least know her. Yes. Right? And, and even, and... I think Kids Today would, because Friends is still pretty huge on Netflix. And we have done two of her movies for our podcast yes. already yeah she's you she's should know who Courtney she is Cox. she's um, Cox. i did put alice drummond who played mrs finkel uh-huh because i i was like she looks so familiar and i looked her up and she was in two wong fu thanks for everything julie newmeyer which i love that movie yes uh she plays one of the people in the small town that they break down in mm-hmm. i think she played like the older lady that couldn't talk or just didn't talk a lot and then uh, Wesley Snipes' character kind of becomes her friend and helps her kind of start talking again. Oh, okay. I just like that movie. And she was in Ghostbusters too, apparently. Oh, nice. Yeah. Did you have another one? The character of Ronald Camp. Yeah. Which, uh, I guess you would say his name is Udo Kier. Yeah, he's German, I think. Yeah, and he was, um... I want to say he was in, like, one of the Bond movies when I was a He looks a like a Bond villain. Yeah. It was funny because they kind of cast him as this, he's probably the bad guy because he looks like a bad guy. Yeah. Um, He was also in Blade. He was in Blade and then I saw that he was in uh, Armageddon. Oh, okay. So he was in some classics from our his, childhood. His face looks familiar. It's it's funny because I, I always do this when we're watching one of the movies for the episodes. I go, that person looks really familiar, but I'm like, is it from just this movie? is what yeah. I, why I think they're familiar. Exactly. Or did I see him in something else? Unless it's a super recognizable actor. Yeah. Exactly. Like, I'm like, oh, that guy looks really familiar. What do I know him from? Oh, this movie. That's what It was I know like when uh, last week when we watched Hocus Pocus just for fun because it's an excellent movie. And it holds up. It does. <laughs> there, There's a part where they go into the house, uh, into the devil's house, which mm-hmm. is Gary Marshall's house, uh-huh. and they leave their brooms at the front door and some little girls dressed as the Sanderson sisters pick them up and the middle girl she has red hair I was like she looks so familiar she has to be in something else and I looked her up and she's only been in like five things and nothing else was familiar I was like it must be because I've seen this movie 30 times (laughs) she looks familiar because I've seen her 30 times in this movie (laughs) that's exactly what it is did you have anybody else no that was it okay we can move on to kids would call it a throwback We call it the prime of our teens, where we talk about fashion choices, 
and offensive and dated references. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you have here? Uh, for fashion choices, I noticed towards the beginning, like when Ace shows up at the police headquarters and then also at the Miami Dolphins stadium, there's just people walking around with glorious 1990s neckties that have like goofy designs on them like super cheesy that my brother's guilty of owning and i mean he he got them in the 90s but not wearing them nowadays yeah i was like if he was still rocking them i don't know one of the ones that i really noticed was at one point ace Ventura and melissa go to ronald's house Mm -hmm. because he thinks he might be the one that stole the dolphin Uh and he is wearing this really baggy white blazer yes but then he also has a florida shirt underneath it's like a button-up and Uh i didn't realize it until he comes back out because he falls in the guy's shark tank (laughs) and but it's just like this button-down shirt that has a bunch of crazy designs of course Mm -hmm. but it has florida like all over it it's it's amazing I noticed at that same party, all of the guests, all the female guests have amazing 1980s hair. Yeah. Like it is, to quote Shelly, tease to Jesus. <laughs> tease, tease it to, to Jesus. Tease it to Jesus. Yeah. It's glorious. Uh, and then we, we both, we had to rewind it, but in the first scene uh, when they're at the police station, mm-hmm. there's an extra that has one hell of a mullet. Oh my Lord. It was like Billy Ray Cyrus... Early 90s, but 10 times longer. Yeah. It was so voluminous. I I was like, you need to rewind it because I think you were typing a note. I'm like, yeah. no, no, no. You need to see this. Yeah. No, it was it's amazing. Glorious mullet. I wonder if mullets will ever come back. Everything always does. But I think there's things that were like, that was a really bad mistake. We should not have cut our hair that way. I just want to be in the people's frame of mind when they're like, yeah. A mullet sounds good. And this is coming from a person that had a mullet when she was three. But I'd like to point out, I was three and I didn't have a choice in the matter, so. Having uh, seen some family pictures <laughs> last weekend, it seemed like all of your family had some form of a mullet. Except for yeah. your dad. My dad's pretty much had the same haircut since the 70s? I was born. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, it's a classic haircut. It's classic. Nobody ever looks at your dad and goes, man, he's stuck in the 70s. He's just got a good haircut. Very true. Should we move on to offensive jokes? Yes, we shall. What did you have? There was, like we kind of mentioned a little bit in the introduction to the episode, that there was some transgender jokes when Ace figures out that Lois Einhorn was actually Ray Finkel. So there's some insinuations about uh, him still having a penis and stuff like that, where it's like, that doesn't age well, in my opinion. (laughs) There wasn't a ton of jokes pertaining to that. It kind of, in my head, it played a bigger part in this movie than what it actually did. I agree. Yeah. That was like the one scene I do remember from the movie. Mm-hmm. When I was thinking back, like, does any of this stuff seem like it's not going to be very dated? Yeah. Or it's going to seem dated? Mm-hmm. And I was surprised by it. The three, like, the first three-fourths of the movie was surprisingly not really offensive. Yeah. It, it it just, like, goes downhill towards the end. Yeah. In the jokes that they're trying to convey with her really being a man. Mm-hmm. I, the only thing I had before that was I felt like they kind of make fun of mental health a little. Yes. When they go to the... To Shady Acres. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, 
watching the scenes where he's kind of going a little, he's pretending to be crazy for the mm-hmm. sake of trying to get into the Institute or distract the doctors so he can get to the information he wants to get into. Uh-huh. I think he could have played a lot worse. Yes, he could have. And he's have. essentially playing a, pretending to be an ex-football player and he's wearing a tutu. Yeah. And he's, I think that was honestly the worst part was that he wore a tutu and then his hair was crazy. Yeah. When I was a kid, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, because he just kind of plays it as he's going through the motions of having football flashbacks yeah. is kind of the way he plays it. But yeah, the tutu and some of that pretty unnecessary. It, it was more like a physical comedy that you're supposed to laugh at. But yeah, at first I was I was expecting a lot worse. And then I was like, well, I guess he could have played it way worse. Mm-hmm. So Very overall, true. it was it was still pretty funny mm-hmm. and it wasn't completely offensive. I did feel like there was a lot of dated references. Yeah. He impersonates Sean Connery (laughs) at one point, and he also impersonates William Shatner, which are good references for us, but I think a kid who is maybe 18 watching it now might not know who either one of those are. That's true. Unless they're big Star Trek fans, or Bond fans, they should know. Did you have any dated references? Um, I didn't really have too many dated references that I caught on to. I did. There was a line that Dan Marino says uh, when, at the end of the movie when he's watching Ace fight the Lieutenant uh, Einhorn. Mm-hmm. And he's like having a little trouble with the Lady Ace because he doesn't know that she's really a guy. Uh-huh. But even if she wasn't a dude before, she's still a trained police officer. Yeah. And Ace Venturi is a scrawny guy. Exactly. She could still take him probably without an issue. Yeah, that's definitely uh you're not going to make fun of a guy nowadays if he's getting beat up by a female cop. No. Because she's, she's trained trained to defend herself yeah. and to essentially hurt you. <laughs> yeah. She's going to train to kick your ass. I did notice when they go up to Ronald Camp's party, Ace references Love Connection and Chuck Woolery about how he's like, oh, the date started off well, but just before we got to the party, she started, you know, doing something. And then uh, he called the doorman at the party, Captain Steubing. Yeah. And asked how Gopher and Doc were. There was just some good... uh... Those are things that kind of flew over my head even. (laughs) So... Yeah. They would definitely fly over any younger audience's head. Mm-hmm, definitely. Also, I did want to point out that I I feel like the end scene where he's just undressing Lieutenant Einhorn, uh-huh. even though she's a criminal and she murdered somebody, I still, I think she could probably sue somebody for sexual harassment. Yeah, definitely. That's still sexual harassment to undress somebody. <laughs> Very true. <laughs> when just... they're not willing. Yeah. Uh, a little cringy. Yeah, that scene was just, yeah, cringy. Just Seriously, the last it. 20 minutes of that movie, it's like they were just like, let's try to be as offensive as possible. Yeah. But also, a... I don't think they were thinking that way because it was two- 1994, so. Yeah, 25 years ago, they're not going, people are going to be offended by this one day. Yeah. This will age great. <laughs> Do you want to move on? Yes. Our next category is where we break down some technology. What pieces of dated 1994 technology did you notice there wasn't a lot but and i say that all the time it gets so annoying but i think 
we're kind of programmed because there are movies where there is a ton of it and it really dates the movie where you just kind of assume it's a movie from 25 years ago. There's going to be some bad old technology in it. There there was. There was a character called Woodstock who was only in one scene. Mm Mm-hmm. And he was a friend of Ace's. I don't know. Yeah. They don't establish these things very well. No. He wears two glasses on his head <laughs> at the same time. Why? I don't know. They're well, like we'll the... never know because we don't know the character very well. Um, Maybe they were the original bifocals. Is that the they were lines? literally two separate yeah. sunglasses. I know. It's a joke. Oh. It fell flat. It did. <laughs> but he had a lab in yeah. a club. Like a heavy metal club. Yeah, and he had a really old computer, and then he had like sonar tech. He tracked. I think whales dolphins or whales. whales? Yeah, I don't know. it was a, a very dated room. Yes, I noticed at the very beginning of the movie, Ace is trying to catch the a pigeon that's worth a lot of money, and he falls off a roof. Which I was like, why didn't he take a net up there? Yeah. But when he lands in the dumpster, he gets a page. You know, it's from the Miami Dolphins to help find their missing mascot. So he's got a beeper. Yeah. The only other thing I noticed was Lieutenant Einhorn's cell phone at the end of the movie when mm-hmm. she calls the police and tries to frame Ace Ventura and Dan. Well, I guess she wasn't framing Dan Marino. She was just framing Ace, Ace Ventura. Yeah. Her cell phone was as big as her head. <laughs> it's huge. It was huge. Loved it. Yeah. The next category is called, Is It Even Good? Where we talk about the plot and the plot holes. Mm -hmm. And then we give our funniest and cringiest moments and talk about everything, everything in this movie that we haven't already (laughs) talked about. So the plot, what did you think? I will say I think the plot is very hokey. Yeah. The idea of a mascot being stolen is believable because I think colleges they'll prank each other and take each other's mascots or we've seen tv shows where it's like in high school and they kidnap somebody's mascot yeah the part about the quarterback of a super bowl team getting kidnapped the week of the game is a bit out there i feel like there should have been more manpower on it It, in real life there it would be a huge deal yeah and there's no way they could keep it quiet too yeah especially the dolphin theft like the media would know about that right away. Yeah. Because somebody would leak. Yeah, it would get leaked. And then, yeah. I mean, if Tom Brady got kidnapped, like, the FBI would be on that. That's true. It would be insane. I agree that I thought the premise was a little silly, that even if you're not even looking at what he got hired for, but just the fact that a man could make a career out of being a pet detective. <laughs> but they do kind of poke fun of it at any chance that they get. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that he can't pay his rents. Yes. Um, or that people didn't even realize it was a real career, like Melissa and her boss, when the secretary suggests, hey, hire a pet detective, they're like, what is, there's, is that a thing? Like, we'll leave it to the experts. And even, like, the pack of detectives that just sit there and make fun of him the whole time. Yeah. So, it's definitely, like, a hokier plot, but they do make fun of it in a mm-hmm. way, so... I do think the fact that there is a lot of pressure on athletes and the fact that one athlete would get blamed for a loss. That is And happened. people would take it way too far. Like, Ace goes to Ray Finkel's house mm-hmm. and people have spray painted all over it and saying, loser. And, uh, that's something that is accurate. Incredibly accurate. Yeah. People go a little too far when it comes to sports. Because uh, 
like literally I think two years before this movie came out that's kind of what happened in the Super Bowl kicker missed a field goal and he got blamed and how dare he he's the worst player ever it seems like it's always the kicker it's easier to blame the kicker apparently (laughs) yep I mean he does usually have one job and if you don't do your one job then what why are you even there that's very true I I get that it's just they're the most frustrating player they really are (laughs) Um, what about the plot holes? I had a couple. I had a couple as well. When Roger Predactor possibly commits suicide, uh-huh. Melissa, who's essentially just his friend, and Ace, who is her friend, are walking through the crime scene. That's not allowed. We no. don't just let, hey, bring your friend over, and they're just walking through taped off areas. Like, yeah, that's, no. But well, that's It a- was the early 90s, and how many, we've... We watch a lot of true crime. How many cops are just, like, not good at keeping the crime scene closed off and... It's very true. So... Yeah. I guess in a way it's kind of realistic, but... It's very Maybe true. a little too realistic. What ones did you notice? You kind of pointed it out, so I wrote it down, but in the very beginning he is on a job where he's kidnapping a dog from, I guess, the kidnapper. Uh-huh. Right, getting the dog back to his client. And they mentioned that they were dating. Yeah. And you're like, how did that guy who looked like a literal caveman mm-hmm. swing the busty promiscuous lady that was Ace's client? Yeah. She lived in a very nice apartment or it might have been a house. Yeah. And the guy lived in the dodgiest of dodgy parts of town. And he was just, he looked dirty. Yeah. He looked like he smelled bad. Yeah. That, that was the first plot hole. One that I picked up on at the very end we mentioned that ace is going around looking at all of these miami dolphins afc championship rings looking for a missing stone yeah but at no point does he notice the lieutenant of the police department is wearing that ring is she wearing it or does she put it on whenever she wants to wear it I don't know, but just at the end, I notice because he takes it off and realizes it's missing the stone. So I would assume she might have been wearing it the whole time. And I'm like, how did you not notice this? I wasn't zeroing in on her hand the whole time, but I just, I would assume if she had it on there, she might have had it on the whole time. I think it kind of goes with the men are always discounting women as not being a threat, as not being capable of any kind of bad or wrongdoing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like women can kind of just fade in the background in a way. So maybe she was wearing it the whole time and he just never thought to notice because, first of all, he was just looking at dolphin players. Yeah. So there's like no connection there That's at first. True. Also, he he comes off as somebody that does pay attention to small details. So I don't know. I don't think she was wearing it. She wore it when she went to steal the dolphin. And then she wore it at the end. But I think that's just like her accepting who she is. Kind of like, yeah, I used to be Rank Finkel. I don't yeah. know. I was more interested in how she became a lieutenant. Like 10 years. I was thinking the same years. thing. Exactly. It's a little bit of a plot hole. It seems like... She would have had to go through the academy... Mm-hmm. Served her time on patrol, became a detective, moved up the chain, and then she's a lieutenant. If we know one thing about law enforcement, they do a very extensive background check. You don't think they would have noticed when they searched into uh, Lois Einhorn that it was a missing woman person? Yeah. From, like, just upstate? It's a little weird. Yeah. There's there's some plot holes in there. We're we're digging into them. Yeah. We got our shovels out. And then the other one I just... 
I, I wanted to point out was, and I never really noticed as a kid, but it bothers me more as an adult, is when they don't establish characters, mm-hmm. like Emilio and Ace, their friendship. We're supposed to believe that Emilio is his friend. Yeah. Even though in the first scene that they show him together, he's incredibly annoyed by Ace. Yeah. I'm not saying you can't be annoyed with your friends. We all get annoyed with our friends, but he seemed like he wanted nothing to do with him. And then later in the movie, he's doing all these things for him mm-hmm. or he's like trusting his judgment, you know? That's very true. It just didn't seem believable, their friendship. And I always am intrigued when you see Ace as a civilian and he's in the detective's room. So somebody okayed him ba- to go back there. Yeah. You can't just walk back there. Just because you're... Does he and also does he have a PI license and then he just chooses to center his thing around pets? I have so many questions. That would make sense if that's the like type of credential he has. Yeah, would be like a pro- he has to have private, something. Yeah, and then at one point in the movie, he hits two police officers with this car and he doesn't get in trouble with them. Yes, yes, he ran them over. They weren't even like the bad guys. They were officers try to save dan marino and he runs them over and all he does is say excuse me gentlemen <laughs> wow what a jerk uh, i just feel like after this we'll be like uh yeah you're gonna have to go to jail for a while you assaulted two police officers <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate you finding dan marino and all uh however you did assault some cops yeah in the process for no reason yes. this is not grand theft auto mm-hmm. east ventura <laughs> Do you want to move on to the funniest line or moment? What was yes. yours? Uh, my favorite, and it has been my favorite, <laughs> to the point I used to have just the clip of this scene like saved on my computer when I was like 20. Nerd alert! <laughs> so he goes into the fish tank, Ace does, and it starts with him. He's going to climb down and he's like, I'll be back in five minutes. Or if I'm not back in five minutes, just wait, wait longer. longer. <laughs> yeah. But it's when all of the media comes up and he comes out of the fish tank like he's a gymnast. And he goes into a rant about how he was working with Siegfried and Roy making, or no, Siegfried. And he was making the dolphins disappear. And then Roy came with the stuffing in the pants and I am gone. Yeah. And then he, the person's like, where's Snowflake? He's like, why do you care about him? Do you know him? Do you have a dorsal fin? Does always... he call you at home? <laughs> I wrote that exact thing. That was my funniest line. It's the best scene. He's like, what? why do you care about the dolphin? Do you know him? Does he call you at home? Do you have a dorsal fin? Uh, because you know why I had it on my computer? HBO cut that scene. What? I am positive. HBO cut it. So then I had it saved. And then when I got the DVD, it's on the DVD. Nice. So Yeah, yeah I was... thought that part was funny. The other one I thought was funny was just when he's visiting the Finkels mm-hmm. and Mrs. Finkel, this tiny little old woman, she's like, Dan Marino should die of gonorrhea and rotten hell. <laughs> I love when old people or children cuss. I think it's the funniest thing. But it's when she says that and then she's like, do you want a cookie? Yeah. <laughs> it's like a tray of like nice gingerbread footballs. Yeah. And I was like, well, those look yummy. Yeah. What huh. was your cringiest? Ooh, my cringiest, it was kind of like two moments. Sean Young kissing Ace, and then when Sean Young kisses Dan Marino. And it's not because I'm going, oh, it's Ray Finkel. They're the least romantic kisses ever. They're very forceful. Very forceful. And it's like, she's just like trying to like 
eat Jim Carrey's face. It, it, the kisses did remind me of how they used to do kisses back in older movies mm-hmm. where they would just like move their heads very yeah. aggressively. And I was like, nobody kisses like that. You don't even have to really move your head that much. Yeah. And then also Jim Carrey's son's like, is that your gun poking on my hip? Yeah. Like, yeah. Mine was just the sex scene between Ace and Melissa was super duper cheesy. And also mm-hmm. I kind of forgot about it, by the way. I forgot about it too. Because I feel like there's a lot of movies where there's that romantic interest and then just at the end of the movie they kiss. Yeah. And they fall in love. But there's no like sex scene or anything. But there's a sex scene. It's not graphic or anything, but it's just they're playing uh, Lion Sleeps Tonight mm-hmm. and all the animals are watching. And just the way they edited, it was just super duper cheesy. It was very cheesy. And it was cringy for me, but. And I definitely forgot, like, they hook up. Yeah. Because then she's not in the sequel, like no. we were talking about. And I well, just... I hate to say it, but that man is exhausting, Ace Ventura. <laughs> if he was my boyfriend or husband, I probably would have choked him out by now. He's so exhausting. He's funny, but he's exhausting. Because he transfers into a serious mode for about three minutes of a 90-minute movie. That's true. Other than that, he's very over-the-top, goofy-faced, goofy voices, the whole fucking movie. Yeah, all the time. He never turns it off except for, like you said, like three minutes of dialogue, he turns it off. Yeah. Did you have any additional notes? I did. When... Ace Ventura goes to the Miami Dolphins headquarters at the beginning of the movie, and they're showing him a video of Snowflake, uh-huh. so he knows what he's looking for. He's eating sunflower seeds, but he's eating sunflower seeds like he's just pulverizing the whole seed. Then he's got the shells in like 900 pieces, and she's like, do you want an ashtray? And he's like, no, I don't smoke. When you bite into a sunflower seed, it usually comes out, the shell comes out in two pieces. Yeah. I was like... Dude, calm down. He there was just things he did that I was just like, what are you, what what's going on right now? Yeah. But I did like the parts where he kind of over exaggerated the things that he had to do, like when he was in the house looking in Ronald Camp's house, and he's pretending like he's up really high, so he's grabbing onto the wall even though he's also on the ground. Yeah. And then when he is in the marina, when he finds a snowflake in Dan Marino. And he uses a little fan to propel the boat a foot. It's <laughs> so unnecessary. It, it was so unnecessary, but that stuff to me is hilarious. When he, you were talking about it, like when he was at Ronald Camp's and he jumps over the guard railing and then he shimmies down the railing and he acts like he lost his footing. Yeah. Just totally unnecessary, but I still laughed at yeah, it. Yeah, no, that stuff, to me, that that's funny. Yeah. Ace, when he's leaving, he's like, is your number still 911? Alrighty then. And I was thinking, like, when I first started working at the PD, the amount of my friends are like, I'll give you a call at work. Is the number still 911? <laughs> like, the amount of them that did that. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, do you want to move on to our final thoughts? I just had one more, and oh, sure. you pointed it out to me. Is the amount of Jim Carrey sorries. Oh, yeah. He says sorry, I think, five or six times. He does. That Canadian accent really comes out. We kind of talk about it in our first episode of Are You Are We Still Afraid of the Dark, our mm-hmm. new podcast. Yes. And how we never really noticed Canadian accents yeah. until we got a little older and realized, like, oh, when people say stuff like that, they're probably from this region of Canada, yeah. you know? Because, yeah, I've seen this movie probably 50 times. I never noticed yeah. this over-the-top Canadian accent. That, really just when he said sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. 
It's all you, bud. As always, on Ruining Our Childhood, it is award season. We give out two awards every week. Uh, the first of which is the valedictorian to the Nicolas Cage Online School of Bad Acting. Who did you give your award to? There was not a lot to choose from because the cast is very small, I thought. Mm-hmm. I gave it to John Capadice, who was, a, I think, a sergeant. Sergeant Aguada. Did you give it to him, too? I gave it to him as well. He was just so aggressively extra when it came to Ace, mm-hmm. or hating Ace, and he just made fun of him, and he was always sweaty. And he... I thought he... It looked like he was going to have a heart attack every second he was on the screen. And he had... Ace would have some real good burns yeah. on him, and he had the weakest comebacks ever. Oh, yeah. And he'd be like, how about that? And everybody behind him would be like, yeah, because they have his back. But I'm like, dude, your, your jokes are lame. Yeah. Ace is cutting you down. Yeah. Ace has better burns. Yeah. For sure. And I agree. He was the sweatiest human being. It is Florida. That's uh, I was going to say that. <laughs> yeah. he, that actor was probably like, why? What? Why are we filming here? Yeah. It's the worst place. Why couldn't it be a, the Chicago Bears mascot? <laughs> Let's go there. Should we move on to our next award? Yes. The Thomas J. Hanks Award for Exceptional Acting. Who did you give yours to? I gave it to one James Carey. He's very over the top in this. Mm-hmm. There's no disputing that. But I don't know that I can picture somebody else playing that role. Right. And he, he is Ace Ventura. He is. He was easily the best part of the movie, Mm -hmm. which is a good thing because it's named after the character he was playing. Yes. But I also gave it to him because of that. There wasn't anybody... I honestly think you could replace anybody else in this movie. Yeah. And it would just perfectly be the same movie. Mm -hmm. Nobody else had really good development or anything like that, Mm -hmm. so I... Except for him. And yeah, I, I couldn't see anybody else playing him. And like I said a little earlier, he was almost exhausting at times. Yes. Coming from an adult perspective, I'm just like, calm down, dude. Do you have ADD? <laughs> I feel like you have ADD. Probably but does. <laughs> I wonder if they would have gave him some Ritalin, how different he'd act. <laughs> but I also think he does it sometimes as a way to distract people or get people to underestimate him so he can actually do his job effectively. Yeah. I kind of looked at it that way, too. There's times where he would kind of come off as crazy mm-hmm. and people are like oh look at this crazy guy but then he would be like doing something else at the same time you know like when uh they're kind of investigating roger predactor's suicide yeah. everybody is discounting him he's an idiot he doesn't know anything and he just immediately shoots the hole and well no somebody else was in here they closed the door yeah there's no way this could happen the way you think it happened yeah uh, but then after he does that, he immediately goes back to hokey Jim Carrey. And when he's leaving, he's calling everyone a loser. <laughs> yeah. He's just like, loser, loser. And just in their faces. And they're like, hey, you kind of understand why they don't like him. <laughs> yeah. You, you give them a lot of reason not to like you, sir. Yeah. So I guess we can answer the question. Does this hold up? I say it did. Okay. I agree with you the first three-fourths of the movie is pretty good pretty funny it's that last 10 minutes of the movie gets a little cringy yeah but like we said he's a little over the top the whole movie and kind of hokey but it was still funny so that's i I think it held up i agree uh i was expecting way worse yeah because of the whole like last part of the movie that Mm -hmm. i remembered but most of the comedy that comes from Jim Carrey was still hilarious. There's 
some of the things because it's been quoted so much like loser mm-hmm. and Alrighty, Alrighty then, then. Mm-hmm. that it's just almost not even funny anymore. Yeah. It's just a part of our vernacular. And as... it was worse for people that grew up with me. Yeah, I'm sure. I was very much Ace Ventura all the time. Right. Yeah. I, I, I know a couple of people that quoted that movie mm-hmm. a little too much Yeah, in my life as a kid. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's still funny. And a lot of the comedy wasn't offensive to other people it was more physical and him being kind of sarcastic to people which i always enjoy yeah but honestly up until the end uh the dramatic scene when he realizes he kissed a man and he had to you know do all the things to rid himself even though it happened probably days before so i'm like you've already brushed your teeth probably like three times right i guess you're good He's plungering his face, yeah. burning his clothes. You're like, calm down, bro. I think even as a kid, I was just like, oh, yeah, okay. At no point did yes. I go, like, exactly. I was 10. I didn't go, that seemed necessary. Yeah, <laughs> okay. you should have bleached your mouth even. No, <laughs> yeah, it's no. uh, it was overdramatic, but yeah. I guess it was meant to be funny. Yeah. Honestly, this movie was not as offensive as I thought, which is something I say a lot in this podcast. Yeah. So... Good for it. Good for it, and good on still being funny, and I'm glad we did this, and I finally can move on with my life and not worry that this is going to be terrible, and I was going to hate it and probably want to cry. Yeah. So. I agree. Yeah. Now we, you can rest easy that one of your favorite easy. movies is not as bad as you would have thought. Yeah. So that's it for us, guys. It's mm-hmm. another ruining our childhood celebration of not really ruining our childhood yeah slight slightly yeah. ruining our childhood just slight just a slight ruin over the top revisiting a good part of our childhood yeah uh we appreciate you guys making us part of your week and listening to our podcast uh we ask as always that you think about throwing us a review and a subscribe over on the apple podcast app or mm-hmm. whatever podcast platform you listen to us on it would really help us out mm-hmm. make us feel loved yes we just want to be loved <laughs> Uh, and visit us on our social media, mm-hmm. like Instagram at Ruining Our Childhood. Over on Facebook at Ruining Our Childhood. And Twitter at ROC Movie Podcast. Yeah. We should maybe next week bring back a poll. We could do that. Throw a little poly poll up there. A little poly poll? Yeah, a little poly poll. Pick a, pick a couple movies, let some people pick it. Pick that's a pile a lot. of pickled peppers. <laughs> I was like, that's a lot of peas there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. We'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Have a great week and see you on Saturday because. With a little. Are we still afraid of Rain of the Dark? Okay, bye. Bye.